Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's text is Genesis chapter 10, and it is known by many as the Table of the Nations, as we learn where so many of the world's peoples come from. These are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Sons were born to them after the flood. The sons of Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshach, and Tiras, the sons of Gomer, Ashkenaz, Riphath, and Togarmah, the sons of Javan, Elisha, Tarshish, Katim, and Dodanim. From these the coastland peoples spread in their lands, each with his own language, by their clans, in their nations. The sons of Ham, Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. The sons of Cush, Seba, Havilah, Sabta, Ramah, and Sabtika. The sons of Ramah, Sheba, and Dedan. Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on the earth to be a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before Yahweh. Therefore it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before Yahweh. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Calneh in the land of Shinar. From that land he went into Assyria and built Nineveh, Rehoboth-ir, Kala, and Rezin between Nineveh and Kala, that is, the great city. Egypt fathered Ludim, Anamim, Lahabim, Naphtahim, Pathrazim, Kazlahim, from whom the Philistines came, and Kaphtorim. Canaan fathered Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth, and the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Archites, the Sinites, the Arvidites, the Zamorites, and the Hamathites. Afterward, the clans of the Canaanites dispersed. And the territory of the Canaanites extended from Sidon in the direction of Gerar as far as Gaza, and in the direction of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, and Zebuim as far as Lasha. These are the sons of Ham by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. To Shem also the father of all the children of Aber, the elder brother of Japheth, children were born. The sons of Shem... Elam, Ashur, Arpachshad, Lud, and Aram. The sons of Aram, Uz, Hol, Gether, and Mash. Arpachshad fathered Shelah, and Shelah fathered Eber. To Eber were born two sons. The name of the one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. Joktan fathered Almadad, Shelah, Hazarmaveth, Jera, Hadaram, Uzal, Dikla, Obel, Abamel, Sheba, Ophir, Havilah, and Jobab. All these were the sons of Joktan. The territory in which they lived extended from Mesha, in the direction of Safar, to the hill country of the east. These are the sons of Shem by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. These are the clans of the sons of Noah, according to their genealogies, in their nations. And from these the nations spread abroad on the earth. After the flood. This is the word of the Lord. Now, one of the things that you do in a chapter like this one with all these names is go ahead and preface the chapter by asking your children, which of these names do you know? What names sound familiar to you? 
And there are a couple of names in the list that would sound familiar to all of our children, pretty much, even those who have very little knowledge of Scripture, if they've heard the, you know, some of the typical stories. Um, but even if they're just immersed in the world, a couple of these names would be familiar with them, even if they don't know the Old Testament Scriptures or the history of God's people. So here's the history of the world, really. Again, table of nations. This is where they come from. And it does say nations, right? Even the end, from these the nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood. And this is a summary statement, moving from Noah down several generations. Chapter 11, tomorrow, the Tower of Babel rewinds back into this list before the nations separated from each other when they were all living together as one people with one language. Babel changes that. But that's tomorrow. So this gives you some indication already that that's coming, that languages will be divided, peoples will be divided, and so forth. All right, so what do we have? The sons of Japheth is listed first, leaving Shem, who is the one through whom Jesus will come, uh, as the, the last son to be mentioned, although he appears to be firstborn of this group. Now, so Japheth's sons. They're going to end up settling the areas really in Asia, Asia Minor, and Greece, and so forth. So they, they primarily move north, whether it's to the northwest or to the northeast. They're, they're a northern group. So who's here? Uh, Magog might sound familiar to a few who like end times conversations, as Magog's people uh, are mentioned perhaps. This might be the people of those prophecies in Ezekiel 38 verse 2. 39 verse 6 and Revelation 20 verse 8, Gog and Magog that would come and fight with the devil against God's people. That's a simple reference to the end of the world where God destroys Satan and all who side with him. I don't know for sure, but this is a coastal people often believed to be the Scythians. Doubling back, Gomer uh, tends to be considered uh, north of the Black Sea that they settle, an Assyrian people known as the Gemari. Madai is the Hebrew word here for Medes. They're going to settle by the Caspian Sea. Uh, Javan, this is the Ionian Greeks, probably. Uh, then Tubal, they're going to settle off to the northeast of Cilicia. Meshech, they'll settle by the Black Sea. And Tyrus, they seem to have become sea pirates and may have even been the founders of the city of Tyre right there on the eastern edge of the Mediterranean Sea. Not a lot to say about Gomer's sons. Uh, Tarshish and the list of the sons of Javan is a name that some of you may recognize. This is where the prophet Jonah would end up fleeing as he sought to run away from God's call to go to Nineveh and call those Ninevites to repent. Tarshish ends up being a city in Spain, so he crosses the whole Mediterranean Sea to get away. Still doesn't work. Katim is another one of, of relevance, although maybe less known. Katim ends up being in biblical prophecy twice in the book of Numbers chapter 24 uh, from Balaam and then again in Daniel chapter 11. It could well be, as it's connected to ships, it could be a reference actually to the Romans, in which case this becomes the first, well, Magog already, but the second, I guess then, enemy of God's people showing up in the list. All the coastland people spread from this group. Again, a summary of chapter 11's events that are coming. Then we get the sons of Ham, so not much on Japheth. Ham and Shem will get a little more time and a little more words here. The sons of Ham are going to settle primarily in Arabia, 
off to the east and the southeast, and also in Africa to the south and the southwest. Cush is going to settle to the southeast of Egypt. Put will settle to the west of Egypt. And Egypt, that's, if you don't know the Bible, Egypt's the name on the list you'll know. Uh, This is a nation in the world still to this day, and in the Bible was a major enemy of God's people as Pharaoh of Egypt had enslaved God's people, and God brought the ten plagues upon him in the book of Exodus. Then you also get the the Canaanites mentioned here in verse 6. Canaan, uh, this is the promised land, which will be described down below in a couple of verses. So these, these sons are the ones of the curse. Genesis 9, God cursed the sons of Ham, primarily Canaan, uh, but he curses this family tree. Not much to mention about Cush's sons. Um, when we get to Ramah's sons there in verse 7, uh, those, those names, Sheba and Dedan, will show up later in the, the scriptures as well, but not much to say about them at this point. Uh, the bigger one is going to be verse 8, Cush fathered Nimrod. And we get a couple of verses on this man named Nimrod here. First, he's called a mighty man. We had the idea of mighty men back in chapter 6 with the Nephilim, but this is the first man called by that phrase specifically. We don't know who any of the other ones were, but we know this one, Nimrod. He's also a mighty hunter before Yahweh. Uh, before Yahweh, in the presence of all the earth, basically. Makes you wonder, right? This is where his mighty title comes from, is his ability to hunt. Makes you wonder what animals, what beasts Nimrod might have slain. Therefore it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before Yahweh. So uh, a comparison would be made, right? This This is the hero of old in some people's minds. This is who you want to be compared to. If you're a good hunter, oh, he's like Nimrod. And a mighty hunter. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel. And I'll just pause right there. Nimrod had a kingdom. Nimrod is an empire builder. This is in opposition to God's command in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, where he said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. To build cities is the opposite. If you build cities, you're building upwards. You're not filling the earth. You're not subduing it. You can't care for the creation around you because there's nothing around you. You've built up instead of out. And that's, that's a challenge. That's an issue. And it's specifically the issue in chapter 11 tomorrow with the Tower of Babel. And we'll talk more about that word then. So Babel, Eric, Akkad, Kalne are major post-flood cities you can find them in the land of Shinar, which is to the east. It's Assyria, Babylon, those kinds of words in the future context of Scripture. Oh, let me just say it now. I'll cover it again tomorrow. The kingdom was Babel. Tower of Babel, or Babel, however you want to say it. The Hebrew word here is the same exact word that will be used throughout the Old Testament for the land of Babylon, for the kingdom of Babylon. There's no distinction. I don't know, and I've never, I've never been able to find anyone who can tell me why English translators separate them. Why it's not the Tower of Babylon or the Tower of Babel and the Kingdom of Babel. They're one and the same, again, in the Hebrew text. We'll cover that a little bit more tomorrow, just a heads up of what's coming. 
Also, uh, then we get some, some information here on Egypt. Egypt, by the way, is Mizraim in the Hebrew text. And this is an instance where I think we end up in English translating it Egypt because that's the name we know the nation by, and so we've just attached it to it. But he actually named his son Mizraim, M-I-Z-R-A-I-M. But Egypt being so prominent to just backtrack over that. I mean, they're called Mizraim throughout Scripture as well. Then we get another enemy showing up in verse 14. First, we have the Pathrazim, which seems to give us the people of Pathros, with its capital city of Thebes. That might be known to some of you. But it's Kazluhim, from whom the Philistines came. So these will settle just south of Canaan uh, and just south of the Promised Land and be a major enemy and a thorn in the flesh of God's people for years, generations. King David, ultimately the one who subdues them and drives them back. Canaan fathered Sidon. Hmm. Sidon will become a city name on the Mediterranean Sea as well. Tyre and Sidon are like twin port cities. And Heth, Heth will give us the Hittites, the sons of Heth. So another enemy of God's people. And then we get a list of them. Several of these might sound familiar. The Jebusites are familiar because they settle the city of Jebus, which the Israelites will rename Jerusalem after they take it from them. So Jebus, Jerusalem in the Promised Land. The Amorites will be an enemy of God's people. The Girgashites, the Hivites, those are going to be common in the list of like six or seven tribes that are usually lumped together. Uh, as inhabitants of the promised land that God is driving out. The Canaanites, Hivites, Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, Girgashites, Perizzites, that list. So we get a few of them here, and then we get some additional ones. So Canaan's sons, his children, and their descendants will become all these different tribes of people. Some of them we're less familiar with. The Sinites are going to probably settle that Sinai Peninsula in between the promised land and the land of Egypt, where the Israelites will spend some time wandering. But the Archites, Arvidites, Zemurites, Hamathites, we don't have as much on their history because they don't show up much more in Scripture. We see verse 19, their territory extends from Sidon, so that's the city, the port city on the Mediterranean Sea, north of the Promised Land, in the direction of Gerar as far as Gaza. That's going to be a Philistine chief city. The Philistines will have five chief cities. Gaza is one of them. So that's to the southwest of Israel. And then in the direction of Sodom, Gomorrah, and so forth. And those are going to be down on the southeastern or so- southern edge of the Salt Sea or the Dead Sea as we would call it today. So you can see then if you're plotting that out on a map, and this is Israel that we're talking about with that particular paragraph, the promised land of the days to come. Then we get Shem's descendants. And the most noteworthy one on the list is going to be the one right at the front, Aber. Now, most Christians today probably don't have any insight into Aber. What makes him so noteworthy is that it's from his name that we get the word Hebrew. You can kind of see it, right, if you put them next to each other. Um, the, just the soft H sound starting out the word. So Aber most likely is going to be the one that gives us the people of the Hebrews, of which Abraham is the first one in Scripture to get called that, to be called a Hebrew. And then also the Hebrew language would come from the people of Aber. And so there's some relevance to that for us. Then we have the sons of Shem, 
So Elam, he's going to settle the land east of Babylon. Ashur is another word for Assyria. Arpachshad, who's going to go northeast of Nineveh. Lud, those are going to be the Lydians in western Asia Minor. And then Aram, which will be the Arameans, and they settle in the area around Lebanon to the north. So all of these, uh, well, especially Ashur and Aram, are going to have major enemies to God's people. Elam, however, is going to be a major enemy to Abraham. And we'll see that in Genesis chapter 14 in just a couple days. It's from this that the king will come, Keterlaumer, who comes to strike and ends up capturing Lot. But again, we'll talk about that in Genesis 14. Now, Abraham is going to have two sons. And he's going to name one of them Peleg, which is from the Hebrew verb for to be divided. For in his days the earth was divided. Thus it has been argued by most Christians that it is Peleg's generation to be born first, after the Babel incident, the Tower of Babel, the scattering of the lands, that Eber lives through that and so names his son as a reminder of that historic event that has so fractured all of creation. If that's the case, um, where we end up putting this on the, the chart of history, depending on if we're taking the Septuagint or the the Hebrew dating of the Old Testament here, 2357 B.C., 2707 B.C., uh, that's kind of the range that we would expect Peleg's birth. Um, and we'll talk more about those dates tomorrow in chapter 11. All right. Let's see. Joktan, I'm just going to point out he's got 13 sons. That's quite a list. Including, most notably, Sheba and Ophir. And Havilah. Havilah has been mentioned back in Genesis with the splitting of the rivers, and one of them flowed through the land of Havilah where there was much gold. Now we have Havilah and Ophir paired together. Ophir is going to be a place where there's much gold for King Solomon to harvest with his, his men that he sends. So these are brothers. And together with Sheba, these are, well, all of these are called the 13 tribes of basically southern Arabia. And that's where you'll find them. Like if you're looking at the Arabian Peninsula, these guys are going to settle down at the southern part of that as you move down the Red Sea in that direction. And in fact, that's where we would place Ophir when we talk about King Solomon sending his men. He sends them down the Red Sea on that eastern edge of it to find this gold and bring it back. The Queen of Sheba from 1 Kings chapter 10 is also noteworthy with this section as she came from afar to visit King Solomon and hear of his wisdom that God had given to him. So the sons of Shem are going to settle in Arabia and also the southern parts of Asia Minor. It's hard in this chapter to see the promise of God. So it might be good as you've now conned through all of it to double back and talk about with your kids how does this Show us God's faithfulness. God has made a promise that he's going to save his people. And here, we've, we've spent more time talking about the enemies of God's people. So what's his faithfulness in this chapter? And that's going to point to the conversations around how we have all these nations. We have all these peoples. God created all of these peoples. They all came from Adam and Eve. God did not end the earth. They all come from Noah and his wife. God did not end the earth. He is merciful. He is patient. He continues to give new life into his creation, even though those new lives are sinners as well. The promise stands, and the promise will come from this line of Shem as we move forward. We'll keep our eyes fixed on the coming of our Savior.
Oh, 